0: Let's dive into our word today. Let's pray first. God, we just, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, you are here amongst us. And we do, we pray for the fresh wind of your spirit to blow through this place. To ignite something within us that draws us closer to you, God. To help us reflect who you are so that others see it and glorify you, God. God, so may you be lifted up in this place. May you be lifted up in our lives, not just when we meet here, but everywhere we walk. May we always be uh, aware that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that your presence goes everywhere we go. And may we walk in that authority, in that power, but also with that humility and reverence that we carry the living God with us. Really, you carry us. You are our life, our sustenance. And thank you for that. And thank you for your word this morning. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, we started talking about, uh, or looking a little deeper, about moving from being lost to being found. And we used this one statement that that I used where I said, Jesus calls found people to find lost people. Jesus calls found people to find lost people. Now, that had me thinking, especially uh, in this season, because uh, one of the things my kids love to do is play a game called manhunt. And it brought me back 20-some-odd years to when I was a... uh, I worked at a kids' camp, a Christian kids' camp, and we would play this with the kids there. And the game is basically, it's kind of almost like a a cross between tag and um, hide and seek and things like that where everybody goes and scatters and one person is it, and then they go and try to find people. And as they find them and tag them, they also become it. And so then the people who are it keep searching for all the people who have not yet been found until you find everyone. And you keep working through that and you just keep searching for people until you you find everyone and the game is over. But that whole idea of Jesus calls found people to find lost people. It struck me that the game is so similar that somebody goes off starting to search, and as they find people, they're recruited into finding the rest of the people. They're not just like caught and done and go wait off on the sidelines and, you know, laugh about the the scenarios or anything like that or just wait for others to be caught or found or anything like that. They're actively recruited into the process of finding, and that's just like... What God is asking us to do when we're found, we don't just sit on the sidelines and watch as others get found. We are participants in finding others. We transition to becoming a finder ourselves. So the question then, and this is, this is a question that's related to that, is how do you move from being found by Christ to following Christ. Because it's not just as simple as like, oh, I'm found, and now I go out and find. There's something about following Jesus in that process that is important. Because we want to lead others to be found by Jesus, and that requires them seeing Jesus. And if our lives need to reflect that, then we need to know what it looks like to actually follow him. And this is why it's important, this question is important, because we can't bring change if we are not changed ourselves. We can't see people have transformation in their lives if we're sitting stagnant ourselves. So we need to figure out how to follow Christ. Now to illustrate this, Jesus he told one of the shortest parables there is. It's only about 12 words long. So it's not a very long one uh, for us to look at today. But in Matthew 15, 14, Jesus said this. He said, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And that, this is a short parable. It's not very long at all. But it introduces Uh, a profoundly important uh, point for us to understand. That those who can't see are often unaware that their vision is impaired. They're blind, and they're leading the blind, but they have no idea that they are blind. See, Jesus had said this parable uh, regarding Pharisees. And Pharisees were religious leaders at the time of Jesus, and they believed that they could see things perfectly. That their interpretation of the Old Testament, the, the, the first books of the Bible, which would have been their only uh, Bible that they had, they believed that their pursuit of truth was spot on that they were, they were understanding it and as they continued to study and study and figure things out, all the rules that they were following, all the customs they had put, put in place, all the traditions that they had set up, how they were interpreting things and teaching people was absolutely correct. It was without fault or as faultless as they could possibly be. Yet, because they couldn't or wouldn't see the true intent of of God's heart in the Old Testament, they were both blind to their own hypocrisy, and they were blindly leading people astray. They couldn't see how the Old Testament specifically pointed to Jesus. And here he was standing in front of them, the whole of the Old Testament, speaking of this person that would need to come, how God was going to come in human form to rescue humanity, to step in and become what we need in order to be in God's presence. Everything points towards that. And yet as they read the Old Testament, they missed it. And as the Son of God stood in front of them, they questioned him. They didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. They put him down, and they ultimately ended up killing him because they couldn't see how blind they really were. They couldn't see it. They had let the filters of their culture, the filters of power, the filters of circumstances and things around them affect how they saw truth and reality. Now, here's the thing. This is also true for us sometimes. Each one of us can be shaped or formed by people and events and circumstances that that craft a picture of how we see the world and how we see reality. It's like we've talked about the last couple of weeks of the worldviews that we've had and how, how we interpret those things and how we need to see things from God's perspective. And we can see in a story... Where these these things, that people and events and circumstances and how they affect us are weaved together and how the disciples, and particularly uh, one disciple, saw these things and how he interpreted and worked them through in his life. And so we see Jesus and Simon, who we know most more commonly as Peter, and we see James and John. And the, the circumstance that they find themselves in is that these are all experienced fishermen. They've... They've, they've gone out fishing, but they've caught nothing. And the event is that they're about to encounter Jesus. So let's read it in Luke 5, 4 to 5. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who we know as Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word... I will let down the nets. Now, if we just pause for a moment and just reflect on that saying right there, those words right there, because they are profoundly important for us here in this house. That statement is why we're here today. At thy word this is a part of our legacy and our history of saying, Jesus, at your word I will. And so I thank you again for the legacy that you've given us. And we honor you, our mother of the house, for hearing him say for you to put out your nets and see what you'll gather. Thank you for being obedient in that moment. And the charge is for us to continue that because as we keep reading, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. Dear Lord, that we would be sinking in a catch from God. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, come on now. you got to be with me in this. So that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. At thy word, now Life Center Cornwall, do not be afraid. God has a He has a mission for us here. Now at this moment, Simon, he knew who he was. He was a fisherman. Tanned, leathery skin from being out on the water. He knew how to fish. He knew when to fish. And in that moment, he knew it was not the right time to put out the nets. It was not the right time to go and get a big haul of fish. But Simon also knows God was working through Jesus. He doesn't fully know who Jesus is in that moment, but he knows that God is doing something through him. Simon, he doesn't know that he, that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. He doesn't know it all, but this is what he does know. That's a lot of not knowing. But what he does know, what does he know? He knows this. He knows that with this one step, he knows that formation equals following. That being formed by by God and being formed into something requires you to follow him. Moving from found to follow takes steps of obedient trust. And this is where we often, we get it backwards when it comes to calling and purpose. As we shared last week, our primary calling is to someone, not something. Our primary calling, calling as followers of Jesus is by Jesus. He calls to Jesus, to himself, and for Jesus, his purposes. That's our primary calling. And calling must always start with direction not destination. It must always start with direction, not destination. And I want to clarify what I mean by direction versus d- destination. I don't mean direction is in go that way. You know, it's in that direction versus destination because we can often think they're pretty much the same thing. I'm heading that way and that's where my destination will be. When I see dir- say direction, I mean the literal, like direction, like a score of music, and the director telling every musician when and what to play so they sound in harmony. Giving specific direction to somebody in how to do something. Following the directions on how to assemble a piece of Ikea furniture. Important. Follow the directions. So many things that I felt over the years that I felt God was going to do, the direction or potential destination of what he had in store for me and for my life, I would always want, be tempted to want to switch the two and put my destination and the things that I felt that God had put on my heart to accomplish. They all, I always wanted to switch their position around, and I'd feel like, oh, God wants me to do this. Oh, I'm going to be, I feel like he has this in my future, and then I would focus there. And then I wouldn't see it realized the way I thought I would, or it didn't, it didn't happen, and I'd be confused. And it would bring me back to direction over destination, And then I would see God unfold the things that he had for me to do. It never looked the way I thought it would. But so many things that I felt God put in my heart, even from when I was uh, a young, early 20-something, God has accomplished in and through my life for his glory, but it never happened the way I thought it would. Because every time I thought about it, I was looking at destination rather than direction. And it took me taking my eyes off the destination and this following the direction in order to see it actually accomplished. For us today, following Jesus isn't only about where we're going to end up when we die. It's about where we are right now and what he's guiding and directing us to do today. And when we get our calling backwards, we start with where we want to go, not being who we are formed to be by our actions and obedience. Now, to make the first 12 fishers of men and women and children, Jesus meets them where they are at and invites them into a single step of obedient trust. Follow me. And as we go through life and are influenced by people and circumstances and events, Jesus often brings us back to this defining directional step. Will you trust me enough to follow and obey? Will you trust me enough when events, circumstances, and people fail you, let you down, or don't give you the results you were looking for? Will you trust me in those moments to just trust and obey? Will you put down your nets when it's the wrong time to go fishing? Will you do what Jesus asks you to do when life and events and circumstances and people don't lead you in that direction? Jesus is asking each of us, do we see him as a blind guide as, or as the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? Because we're, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes sometimes I think, maybe it's just me, but like in my moments of, of doubt or, or working it out, I'm looking at the future, I'm looking at the big picture, and I'm, I'm seeing maybe where things are supposed to go, and there's moments where I'm like, really? And there's that part of us that's like, does God really see what's going on right now? Can he really see this? Because what he's asking me doesn't seem to correlate with what I see right now. And in that moment, if we pause and stop, what we're actually saying is, God, are you blind to the reality that I'm, I'm in right now? How presumptuous of us to do so to ask God if he really understands what we're going through. Wow. But we do it. We do it so easily. We get caught up in going, yeah, but you don't really understand God. If I were to actually just do what you told me to do, ah, how is that supposed to work out for me? Trust and obey. Simon, again, who we know as Peter, he's now been following Jesus for a little over three years. He isn't where he was On that first day where where Jesus called him and said, follow me. But he's here at another low point. Because he had trusted his definition of life. He had trusted his understanding and the circumstances and events. And his mixture of knowing what the Pharisees had taught. And how he was trying to figure out what it looked like to follow Jesus. And what his thoughts of, of, of Jesus' kingdom coming actually looked like. And he hits a low point. Jesus told him where he was really at. Told him, you're going to deny me, Peter. Three times, you're going to deny me. Peter didn't follow. He didn't trust Jesus in those moments. And he regretfully discovers that Jesus was right. But God. Because now, when we see in John 21... This is what we read again, and it has a mirror to that very first time that Jesus called Peter. We read this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And this wasn't for men. He had denied Jesus. He was at a low. He didn't know what to do. And so he's like, I'm going to do the only thing I know to do. I'm going fishing. My world's been crushed and rocked, and I don't know which way to go. So I'm resorting to what I know how to do. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. You'd think right there. They would automatically know it's Jesus. When the fishermen out there didn't catch anything and some guy on the shore is like, try the other side of the boat. That's where all the fish are. This isn't a big boat. This is a small boat, you know, and the you know, you think they would catch on there. But they cast it. And so now they they and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter. And that's John who he's talking about. Said to Peter, "It is the Lord." And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his undergarment, for he was stripped down to work and threw himself into the sea to go and see Jesus. Hear this, church. In following Jesus, failure isn't final. Failure isn't final. There's going to be moments where we mess up, where he gives us direction and we don't get it right. We're a little off. We get a little bit of our own heart and our head mixed into it and not fully what he said. We trusted and obeyed and to a point we're like Peter and we're like all in and we seem to do it for years. We had three years of consecutive, yes, we're doing it. And then it kind of slips a little bit. But failure isn't final. We're going to mess up and it's okay. Just keep failing forward. Keep leaning into Jesus, even in your brokenness. The process of looking like Jesus is a lifetime. It's a lifetime of having that lifeline. It's not a pass and fail moment. Jesus knew what Peter had done, and also where he was, and how to minister to him. Jesus invites Peter to take another single step of obedient trust. Listen to how he talks to him there on the beach. He says this in John 21, 18, 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show about what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Simple as that. How many of you have found it so easy? <laughs> not me. At least not all the time. Have I found it so... Just just follow me. And was like, okay. It's hard sometimes to get it right. It's hard to put down our flesh and our, our own desires and our own wants and our own, like, this will make me feel good right now moments. It's hard for us to... to, to put those down and follow him. So how can we grow in our ability to follow him, to live with the knowledge of him that empowers us to live a life that he asks us to, to be that obedient trust and see that in our lives, to see our nets full as we fish for people. This morning, I'd like to suggest four things for us. Dallas Willard in his book, Knowing Christ Today, lays out some steps uh, that I think can be helpful for us. And the first one is this, humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. If you're familiar with the Bible and stories, especially in the New Testament, I want you to think right now of the Pharisee praying beside the tax collector. And how in that moment he was like, God, I thank you that I am the way I am and not like that. We need to keep ourselves humble. It's so easy to compare ourselves. Maybe not to each other in this room, but we look outside the doors of the church and we look around and we see the condition of people's souls and hearts and we're like, thank God I am not like that. And I do, I do thank God that he has transformed your life. But I don't, I don't want to compare you to anybody else in that way. Yes, we want to thank God for how he has found us, but not in comparison to others. Recognize the condition of your soul apart from Jesus, that you were desperately lost without him. And without him, you have no life Scripture says, in him, we have our life. So let's remember that and stay humble, as humble as we possibly can. Number two, seek inner transformation by the renewing of our minds, by confession and spiritual disciplines. And when we talk about spiritual disciplines, I would highlight ones like silence and solitude, once where we unplug from anything and everything outside of God's word and God's spirit to allow him to orient us to himself. To allow that to happen. The Bible says that's how we are, re- we are renewed in our minds by his word and his spirit. And so we need to continually be in that place to see that inner transformation. And as we do that, Then our next step is this, number three, live with expectation. Live with expectation. And why do I say that one? Is this, you're living in the kingdom of God. Just stop and pause and think about that for a moment. If you just were to meditate on that, you are living in the kingdom of God. What is possible in the kingdom of God? You're living in that kingdom. Each day, live with that expectation that as you step into your day, all things are possible. Don't just stand there and go like, I don't know what's going to happen today. I hope I make it through. But live with some expectation that the holy God living inside you has thought about the day and said, you know what? I think I can do something with this one. Let's live with some expectation. Humble ourselves, seek that inner transformation where we pause and say, God, You're God. I'm not. I recognize it. I see it. I want you to continually transform me. I want my my sin nature and my flesh to die daily so I can follow you. And those things no longer interest me as I'm so hungry for your word and your spirit. And as I step into my day, I step with expectation that something is about to happen. I'm going to put my nets in the water and they're going to be too full for me to pull up on my own. I'm going to live with some expectation, which leads to that fourth step. At thy word. Oh, just obey. When you live in those moments, when you've humbled yourself and you've centered yourself in him and you seek that inner transformation and you live with him expecting to say, Dante, this is what I got for you today. This is what I got for you today, Andre, and Andre, and Carol, and Mike, This is what I've got for you today. And when you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, and you say, at thy word, at thy word, and you just do what he says, you're not responsible for the outcome. You're not responsible for the, the fish getting into the net, for the result of your obedience. You're just responsible to put out your net and let him do the supernatural. Because that secondary aspect of our following him, using our spiritual gifts and skills and natural abilities, our life experiences, our story of transformation, the resources that God has put into our hands to help lost people become found people and found people become following people who look like Jesus, live like Jesus, and use the whole of their lives to lead others to Jesus. Formation equals following, and the following is a single step of obedient trust. And if following starts with someone, not just something. Then today, our question again posed in Jesus' story are absolutely relevant for us. How are you moving from being found in Christ or found by Christ to following Christ? Because if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit when it comes to what way to take, what is true, and how to live life, do the people and the events and the circumstances around you, which you are allowing to shape your life, do they know where they're going? Or are they blind? For me, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to try my best because he's seen me at my worst and he still says, follow me. What about you? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have found us today. God, we thank you for the life that you've given us in you. We thank you that we were so completely lost we couldn't find our way out of anything and you found us and you called us. We are so grateful for that. So God, we just pray that we would be humble. We would seek to be transformed. We would live with expectation. And we would obey at thy word. And that would be how we live our lives. The the position of our lives would be set like that. So we could live at what you have for us this morning, if you're here in the house or online, I invite you to be found by Jesus today. If that's not the condition of your heart, where, you've, where Jesus is saying to you today, follow me. And you haven't made that, that clear and distinctive decision to say, there's all the other voices in this world All the other people in this world that I could follow are blind. Jesus, I need to follow you. I invite you in this moment to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are found, I invite you to move from found to following or to sharpen your following to take a time this week to meditate and see where you can humble yourself, see where you can continue to be transformed and use spiritual disciplines to bring yourself to that place. See where you can live with expectation of what God has in store and then obey so we can let down our nets and see what God will do. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Oh,